our a beautiful evening out here in Cape Town. It is uh, the first Thursday uh, uh, radio edition, a syndicated show, and the continuation of our lockdown edition uh, with uh, the Western Cape Premier Alan Windy back in studio this evening from six till seven. We're doing it here, another live Q and A with regards to COVID uh, nineteen, the new normal, and the provincial government's response. For you, that uh, that we've uh, uh, well for the past uh, couple of days, we've asked you to send us um, your messages that you would like the premier to answer on whatsapp the number of course is zero six one eight six two one zero six five or also you can sms the keyword covered 19 to three two one five eight followed by your question name and area in uh, which you reside each uh, sms costs one rand the show is brought to you by the western cape government better together now um yes um premier it is good to see you uh, again uh, welcome to another edition, another month. Uh, so many things has been happening since the last time we have uh, spoken. And uh, the one thing that's, that's now come up, which is, and it's the phrase that everyone's using around the world, is how is, has the new normal impacted you and your office in the day-to-day operation? Well, good day, and uh, it's really great to be back again. And you, uh, am I loud enough? Yeah. So it's really great to be back, and um, yeah, thank you. Uh, the new normal, the yeah. new normal, uh, I think, is uh, changing everyone's lives, and business is changing around the world, and life is changing around the world. Yeah. Um, I mean, some cases it really perturbs me because it's actually not a very comfortable space to be in. So many people without an income, so many people hungry, no electricity. They're the missing middle, they can't get a UIF payment, they don't get a grant. Uh, so we're dealing with some serious new normals. Um, but at the same time also, people that are on front line, you know, if you're a nurse, if you, as you've seen in this last week, if you work in an ambulance service, uh, even if you work in one of our retailers, um, from a small little spaza shop to a great big, you know, hypermarket, um, everyone is front line. And, there's a new new way of doing things. Social distancing, hand sanitizer. I mean, right where I'm sitting at, there's a whole lot of hand sanitizers yeah, around. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, masks. The new normal is is with us, and it's going to be with us for a long time. Yeah, and if you know of moving on, especially if a lot of things has been happening now, you've got people working from home. So an online world. How will um, artisan services and skills development be impacted? Well, I think first of all. You know, I mean, I mean, it's all very well giving me that question, but our entrepreneurs are the amazing people who yes. come up with such amazing new ideas. Um, so obviously, um, you know, training, education, it's already, it had already started before COVID. It's now just ramping up. So you're going to be... You're going to be learning things and you're going to be doing things without going into a classroom. I mean, that's for sure. Yeah. Services is going to be different because... I mean, sure, there's the online services, the back office processing, that was already there. But what other services and how are they going to change? Because you can't change hairdressing. You can't change, I mean, so there's going to be many things that aren't, you're not able to change. And I also think that, uh, you know, at the moment, everybody's doing everything in isolation and people also need people. Yeah. People need human contact. So 
I mean, I think it's going to be different, but I mean, eventually when we've got through, got through COVID-19 and we're getting back to that new normal, but a semi-new normal, I, I mean, obviously we, everyone says it's cool working on your me- meetings and your teams and your Zooms, and, <laughs> but if you speak to everyone, they say, wow, I'm missing the team at the office, or I'm missing the guys at the factory, or I'm missing the, you know, and everybody's got some space, that yeah. even if it's just getting together at some coffee shop. People are missing that. Yeah, know. that connection. But here's a message that just came through. It's a message saying, Good day, Mr. Premier. I would like to thank the national uh, and provincial governments for all you are doing at this time. It's with pride that I count myself as a part of South Africa. Keep up the good work. And may we all get uh, to the end of this time as safely, um, humanly, and introspectively grateful. So they're very thankful for what you're currently doing. And another question that just coming uh, that just came through is uh, um, Alan Windy was interviewed on ENCA last week about the exercise uh, time slot. Uh, he said that it, sh- it should be extended or maybe have two slots. In winter, the sun only rises at eight o'clock in Cape Town. It's dangerous in all areas to go running or walking uh, in the dark. With winter approaching, it's going to be it gets very cold within a month. People are more likely to get cold and flu if they are forced to do exercise in the early morning before sunrise. Question one, how did government decide that this was a good idea for the nation? (laughs) Can I first say the the, the previous comment? Thank you very much uh, for, uh, you know, just sending that message through. I mean, this is national government, provincial government, local government. This is citizens. We're all on the same side in this war. Yes. And uh, we've got to make sure we get through it to the other side. And uh, we can only do it if we all work together. I think um, the regulations, I think uh, huge frustration, especially now. You know, everybody was happy to go to your first of lockdown and then we extended the lockdown. And now everyone's questioning the regulations. I mean, really, the lockdown gave us time to help with our health response, uh, preparedness. Um, and uh, there are a number of of questions around a number of the regulations, um, specifically this one, I, I still agree. Uh, but of course, under the disaster declaration, uh, the national uh, government has the the mandate to put regulations in place. Our job is to say this is what we think is not a you know this doesn't seem to work for us. So, for example, the times. I also think it doesn't make sense to tell people to exercise in a small space of time. Yes, uh, because you're bottlenecking, and we want to try and spread people out. So um, I think, I mean, we have made application to say, listen, this, this regulation doesn't make any sense. We need, to, we need to work on it. But along with a whole lot of other regulations that we don't think actually make sense. Uh, of course, we also understand that everybody who owns a business um, thinks that they all have to open their business in, in level four. And, of course, that can't be. But there are some businesses as well that we think should be able to be open, so we've motivated there as well. I think we put 47 uh, different uh, motivations to change the regulations. Yes. 13 have been changed and seven partially changed. So we're still working on it. We've got a team that works on it with the national team uh, to try and motivate and say this is how we should change those regulations. And, of course, this exercise one definitely should be changed. Thank you. Um, so for all our listeners out there, you, if you'd want to uh, SMS uh, your messages, it's uh, 32158. Keyword is COVID-19, of course. And if you'd like to call, the number is 21 the WhatsApp number is 061 
0567-862-1065. Also, we're on Facebook Live as well. If you'd like to um, submit your question on Facebook Live, you're most welcome to do so as well. And we will read out uh, that question as well for you. Um, there has been much talk about the fourth industrial revolution. Is that a direct spin-off of uh, COVID-19? Uh, definitely not. I mean, um, we've been in the midst of the fourth industrial revolution now for a few years uh, with uh, big data and machine learning and, and all sorts. But I think what definitely has happened is the COVID-19 virus across the world has almost leapfrogged everybody directly into the middle of this new world of ours. And uh, that's very, very, uh, I think, one of those things that uh, is helping us because it's speeding things up. But of course, there's risks, you know. Um, some of the some of the businesses that uh, were kind of part of the past world are not going to make it, mm-hmm. and uh, this is where our, our our innovators and our entrepreneurs have got to become quite clever. Yes, uh, because and you've got to think about what are the new businesses, and and everyone who is always talking about it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Mm-hmm. Well, it's here. Mm-hmm. And now we're in the middle of it. You must reinvent. You must uh, make sure that you find ways to build sustainable uh, businesses. And, of course, there's a whole lot of new businesses opening up. I mean, quite frankly, in level four, uh, with suddenly restaurants being told, if you want, you can't open your restaurant for tables and chairs, but what you can do is you can produce food, and now that food needs to be delivered to someone who orders it. Yes. So who's going to do the app design? Who's going to you know, set up the little business that's going to have the scooters or the bicycles or whatever, you're going to get that product. So no matter where you are across the province, now suddenly you can, you've got to think differently and there's opportunity at the same time. Okay. We've got a caller um, coming through. So we just a uh, question for you. Uh, hi there uh, to our caller. Hello. Good evening. Hello. Hi Hello. there. Would you like? Uh, hi. Uh, um, you're speaking to Enrique Hartson, but can I pose my question? Yeah, you may. Yeah. Um, Mr. Vinda, um, good evening. I just want to ask, man, um, the COVID numbers here in, in the province that we live in here in Western Cape, it continues to arise. So with that in mind, do you think it makes sense that people, in especially this province in the Western Cape, are allowed to, for example, go jogging or request to go do yoga at the beach? And we even see a few very privileged people who see it as their right, basically, to go surfing during a pandemic. Does that make sense to you if we if we take into account our numbers here in Western Cape? And um, our numbers here now make up more than half of the, of, the, of the total numbers in South Africa. So do you think it makes sense that some people really see it as their right almost to go jogging or to go surfing or to go do yoga at the beach? Thank you. Okay, very, a really great question. Thank you. I think it was Mr. Hotzenberg. Thank you, Mr. Hotzenberg. Um, obviously, uh, we've seen the protest around surfing, so surfing is actually not allowed in this regulation. Um, but then again, the first point, the first question around times, I mean, whether you can go for a jog or an exercise, I think we need to allow people to be able to exercise. Um, you know, this is, this is, it is about, you know, holding back the spread. But we must also remember that the numbers that we're dealing with right now are not because we we've suddenly been allowed to jog in the morning. We're dealing with the numbers now because of two reasons. One, they were all came out of level five because you know they were they were then they they were tested and we're only getting those tests and reporting them now. Correct. And secondly, um, you know the the 
the virus itself, we, we are saying that we are testing more. So at one stage we were testing with 10% of the population of South Africa. With one, uh, three weeks ago we were testing 16% uh, of the tests. Then it went up to 30%. We're back down to 20%. So we're testing way more. Uh, but it's c encouraging for me to see other provinces now also testing more um, because the more you test, the more you're going to find. And so uh, I keep on saying to people, if you, if you want us to have a low number of cases, I'll stop testing and then we'll have no cases. But that's not realistic and that's not actually why I, I have been encouraging everyone from the beginning, testing, testing, testing. It gets you to get a real picture of where we're at. The, we're not going to not have the peak and we're not going to not all or many of us are going to get this virus we don't want to all get it at the same time and we need to manage it so it's not about whether you can be out and jog or not yeah. it's about making sure that the new normal is wearing a mask following the hygiene practices because we also have to get back to work the there are too many people who are sitting at home without any income um, and if we lose, already they're saying we're going to lose 27,000 SMME businesses just in the Western Cape. These are small guys with their little electrical business or yes. their, you know, their plumbing business or, you know, they were supplying some product or something. And they are under serious pressure. They're the missing middle. And we need to try and get people back to work. So, I mean, even more importantly, it's about opening up for, for business. But are we ready from a health point of view? Now, we're not 100% there yet, but we are almost there. Mm -hmm. Continue to send in uh, if you'd like to call. Um, it is our uh, first Thursday uh, radio uh, edition syndicated show um, with our guest, uh, Western Cape Premier Alan Windy. You can call us uh, on studio. The number is 021-448-6266 or even WhatsApp. The number, of course, is 061-862-1065. If you'd like to SMS us, the keyword is covered 19 to the number 32158 the question that's also coming uh, premier is with regards to what harm would it do if supermarkets who have wine section be allowed to sell wine providing one buys groceries at the same time Okay, so that almost sounds like the cigarette argument as well <laughs> um, I spoke about some of the regulations that don't make sense to me um, I, I, that's the same thing. Um, obviously, you know, we, we are all free citizens and we are doing what we're doing to try and slow the spread of a virus. I always ask the question, if what you're proposing to change in the regulation, is it going to speed up the virus or slow it down? Um, now, of course, I, I think that was the cigarette argument that I had a few weeks ago. Um, uh, at the moment, if I've got to put energy, I'll put an energy into an SMME. But I agree that, you know, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, I think between cigarettes and alcohol, alcohol, there is an issue with alcohol. If, you, if alcohol is going to make you lose your management skills to keep your social distancing in place, mm -hmm. well, then it's a bad thing. Um, but if someone's going to be responsibly buying some alcohol, and we, we, we did put our, or our position was, Let's say that alcohol could open up for a few hours a day with a maximum spend. So you couldn't go and buy thousands of rands worth of product. You could buy a, an amount, and it would be for so many hours a day. Um, but, I mean, that's in that same regulation, the same answer. There are, there are a couple of regulations that I think should change, but, uh, of course, at the end of the day, we motivate for it. Uh, but, unfortunately, we haven't had those changes yet. Mm -hmm. A question here from Razan Poole from Facebook Live. Why are bakeries allowed to operate, but home bakers can't? Okay, now, I don't actually get that question. I mm -hmm. mean, 
uh, a home baker with that, I presume that that's someone who actually bakes to sell to, and and as far as I'm concerned, I presume that you could get a license to operate. To operate another, um, okay. There are about 3,300 permits already been uh, issued. issued to small uh, spaza, from spaza shops to small businesses. Um, and if you're producing a food product, I don't see any reason why you wouldn't be able to get that permit. Um, just email service at westerncape.gov.za or um, business support at westgrow.co.za. Also another question here from, uh, I think it's Sharon uh, Gordon. Why can't estate agents operate at all? Okay, so, I mean, this is also, I mean, everybody thinks that the, all their businesses should be able to operate on level four. Um, obviously, an estate agency selling a house online, I mean, I, I don't see a problem with that at all. But the problem is when someone is going to phone me up and say, I'm bringing 10 people to come and have a look. They'll all come at different times to come and have a look at your home. And this is where it becomes difficult. So, you know, is that going to be a contact point? I mean, I'm, I'm certain that it won't be long until that will be open. But right now it's seen as an extra space of contact. So yes. that's probably why not. But, um, you know, I think this is also where we start to motivate. I think that estate agents only come back online in level two. Um, but then I also want to say to the estate agents, motivate, put your own business plans in place of how you will manage the new normal. What does that mean? It will mean you'll be an online business. Um, you will have certain protocols of how you visit people's homes, how you show them, um, how their contact happens. I mean, you've got to put that in place. That's your business protocol. And then you can motivate to say, we think we shouldn't be at level two. We should be at level three because of these reasons. And then that's, again, we'll see what we can do. We can motivate. Uh, we've gone sector by sector. Um, and, you know, some, some should be open at different, at, at uh, sort of higher levels. And we'll motivate if, if that kind of protocol makes yes. sense. Uh, the last discussion uh, that we had, uh, one of the questions that had come up with regards to the testing. Um, how is that coming along? I've received a, a question here is when is the door to door testing starting in places like Atlantis, Marmory, and Pella? Okay, I, I haven't got the you know where it is in front of me. I, it has already happened in Atlantis, mm-hmm. um, and so I mean, what happens? We got we on three hundred thousand now of the screening and testing. Um, I'd have to double check that, but you can also check it on our website when when we move to different areas. Yeah. Um, I must also say that uh, we are focusing on what we call the bushfire areas or the hotspot areas. So, for example, uh, at the moment, Kailicha. Uh, the noon uh, Witzenberg out in series yes. those are hotspot areas and so there's a lot more focus in those areas but of course those teams are also moving out we advertise every day of where we're going to okay the new normal will undoubtedly influence uh, study and career choices and uh, that is a bone of contention how would you uh, advise pr- uh, prospective students to rethink these in terms of job security so what is business going to look like post COVID-19 so it could be back to normal 100%, but I doubt it. I think it's going to be a new normal. People are all saying there's going to be a second phase of this virus. I think we've got to learn from the virus. We know that uh, the last time the world had a major flu epidemic, yes. it took years to come out of it. 
Um, so if we have to say in the next few years uh, you need to make career choices, I would say uh, tech. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, if you're able to uh, innovate and you're an entrepreneur, think about services that people were getting that they're not getting now and then probably say, well, how do I deliver that service but in a new way, in a different way, um, where people don't congregate anymore? So I think that's that's the space to operate in. Uh, you know, I think online businessing, businesses are just going to grow exponentially. But then what does that mean? Oh, we said it earlier. So now suddenly a courier business is going to be a different business. A delivery business is going to be a different business. Um, I think there's going to be lots of scope there. Uh, the pressure is going to be on those businesses that uh, are in their minds are not going to be able to change. And, I mean, that's where it's going to be difficult and we're going to lose those jobs. So we're going to have to get our entrepreneurs to, you know, spend this time, you know, thinking about uh, what it's going to be like. Uh, you know, is, is a restaurant going to have a robot taking your order? Correct. So if that's going to happen, well, I don't want to be a waitron anymore. Um, or... You know, so it's that kind of that kind of thinking, which which is tough because there are a lot of jobs that we've probably been preparing for, and now suddenly they're not going to be there. Yeah, kind of simply happening in the U.S. as well in Washington, where you can actually get little robots. You get your things from the your goodies from a little shop, and they put a little, little thingy, and it uh, you got the app, and it comes to your home. That's that's the way they're kind of being innovative. Just another question here from uh, uh, someone just forwarded this message as well. Why is while the Tigerberg district covered nineteen infections increasing at such an alarming rate, and where in Tigerberg districts are the high spots located okay so I haven't got that uh, map in front of me and we, we do it by district at the moment because we are a little bit worried about how people use information um, but in the next week or so I want us to go down to ward level so you will be able to see much more granular detail on our dashboard um, I'm not entirely sure exactly where all those hot spots are in the Tigerberg but Tigerberg is one of the areas that uh, that is growing um, and of course, it'll be linked to at the moment under level five. Uh, it was clinics, police stations, uh, and shopping malls and, and retail outlets where the where the virus was spreading from. So it could be linked to those kind of businesses in that area. Um, but I think we've now moved beyond that. Um, we're now in community transmission. So you might you might have picked it up because you worked at some agri processing plant. But, but we've moved on from where it's even difficult to trace that now. Uh, it's because you're in an area where you've actually then shopped somewhere. You've uh, maybe chatted over the fence where you shouldn't have. And maybe when you, when you uh, walk down the road, you sneezed and someone and your mask wasn't protecting you enough. So it's community transmission. Um, but we will give that granular detail, uh, I hope, in the next week or so, so people can actually go and have a look at which ward it's, it is, it is uh, growing in very fast. Mm. But Tigerberg, as I said, I said Kailicha, but Tigerberg is also one of the reasons that's growing. Okay. Uh, so continue to send uh, your messages. If you'd like to call us in studio, the number is 021-448-6266. Also via WhatsApp, the number here is uh, 0618621065. Of course, SMS. Yes, a keyword covered 19 to 32158, followed by your question name and the area in which you reside. Um, 
Premier, another question that's just come up here as well. Parents expected to resume work in level four and essential working parents have no guidance on the movement of their children during working hours. The current rules around workers employed in private homes does not address this matter or apply to the majority of parents, especially taken into account that schoolwork is handed out on a weekly and a daily basis. The question is therefore, how does the current level four regulation address movement of children of working parents to a residence with adult supervision such as grandparent aunt etc where uh, no one no other help is available at the primary residence during working hours this is a western cape resident that's asking this yeah. question so essential workers were able to do that even in level five uh, you could motivate that you could you know if you were you, you had to drop your child off because you're a nurse and you've and your you know granny's going to look after your child obviously when that happens you've also got to understand the risks because you are putting granny at risk yes. uh, but i mean obviously some people don't have a choice um, and that's why there's been a lot of motivation to say how do we get ecds operational again and this is the difficult part of level four and level three and how do we motivate in level four and um, I look at the analysis of risk and children, the risk is so minimal and it's not whether it's risk here, it's across the world and what we've built up over time. Yes. So we really are motivating that we actually do enable much more of the of the ECD type. And even, you know, I mean, you, you can see there's a big debate going on about schools at the moment. My opinion, looking at the risk data, is that it's not our children that are at risk uh, in the school environment. But all of this comes down to the level, and I know that it is a problem. We are busy motivating at the moment. And, of course, if they are, if this specific individual is finding a problem with it, again, please just uh, send us a, a message at service at westerncape.gov.za, and uh, we will specifically take up your individual case and see what we can do to try and help you. Okay. Uh, a question here from Anne. Is it Topani Anne? Okay, and the question is, why are beaches and pathways around them off limits uh, if they are still within five kilometers mm. that's the question okay so this again mm. it comes down to the interpretation of the regulations and also the within five kilometers so I understand the within five kilometers because you don't want people just going all over the place uh, but I also have a little bit of an issue with that and I'll get to that secondly but um, I don't know I don't know what the motivation was. I have to surmise because I wasn't in those discussions. I wasn't part of that uh, regulatory environment when those regulations were being crafted. Yes. It's not only in South Africa. I mean, in Australia, you weren't allowed to go to the beach either. In, you know, so I presume, and now this is where I've got to say I presume, when the drafters of the regulations, they were saying, well, if we open the beaches, well, then surely people are going to go and congregate on the beach. So maybe that's not such a good idea. Um, that's all I can think mm -hmm. because quite frankly if you're walking down if you're going for a walk and you can walk on the beach rather than on the pathway I mean it's lovely walking on the beach as long as you're following the rules of social distancing and masks and hygiene etc etc you live you know out uh, somewhere between Musenberg uh, Mitchell's Plain um, you know out uh, all the way to Warden's Bay if you live anywhere along that coastline um, Monroe BC Beach. I mean, why not go for a healthy walk along the beach? It makes sense to me, but so I don't. But I don't really know. And we will continue to try and motivate that, that changes because that doesn't really 
Uh, I, you know, I think being healthy as a citizen and having your mind right, etc., is actually much better for you in fighting this yes. virus um, than not, than getting angry because I can't step off the path. Um, I'm just trying to think what the second part was. It's... Uh, the, no, the, the question is with regards to, it was in terms of the ki- uh, kilometers, uh, five oh, kilometers, yes. yeah, if they still within I five know that, uh, I know that last Saturday I went myself to go and have a look at uh, what it was going to be like at um, the promenade. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, it, there, were, there was not as many people as the day before. That, that was chaotic. But I also think afterwards, you know, I think, well, what did you think? If you lock a whole lot of people up for five weeks and then you say you can come out of your apartment... <laughs> You can, people are going to get outside, and there's only three hours to do it in, and, and half of it's dark. Um, but there were less people. But one of the issues that people were taking up were people were driving there. And I thought about that as well, and I thought that didn't make sense to me either. Because if you live in a place where perhaps it's dangerous to go for a walk, yeah. I mean, you know, we've got still, we must understand, we've got parts of our city that have got gangsters, and why can't you actually go for a drive and go and walk along a promenade or and that also doesn't make sense to me yeah. because i understand you don't want to have everybody driving around all over the place but you know we are all citizens trying to do our best to fight this virus we don't we don't want to live in a police state we want to live in a state where we are responsible in dealing with this virus and that's where we need to move towards because you know we can't stay at level four forever we've got to actually start loosening up and we've all got to be part of that new normal yeah. and that new normal means we take responsibility Okay, so continue to send your messages uh, via Facebook Live, and also if you'd like to send us uh, a WhatsApp message, the the number is zero six one eight six two one zero six five. Of course, your SMS uh, keyword uh, covered nineteen to three two one five eight. A question: This is coming via SMS. Can you tell me why foreign employees are not getting any uh, money from UIF, even though they are have contributed, contributed. to the fund? I don't know. It drives me crazy. So you've been paying. You, you've got a permit. You're legally here. You've been paying your UIF, and now suddenly because you don't have an ID number, you can't get your – I mean, it just doesn't make any sense to me at all. Um, I actually had a discussion with the head of Department of Economic Development today because he was on the, on the uh, press con with me today, and they are busy working on it to try and find an answer mm-hmm. because it – it can be that you contribute and then when you need it you can't get it back again so that doesn't i mean it doesn't if you legally were in the country you had your 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 paperwork all in place and you were contributing you should be able to get your your uh, unemployment and we are working on it um we also know there's another there are that's not the only issue there's quite a few issues around Mm -hmm. the uif payments that have to be worked on but we're busy on it Mm-hmm. Okay, so another question coming in here from Kristen uh, Wilkins. Okay, the question is: Can bike shops open? People <laughs> use bikes to commute. To commute, and we need uh, what is it? Maintenance? Is it maintenance? Also, cycling is cycling allowed. How do you respond to that? Yeah, you know, it's another one of my headaches. And you know, my problem is that I'm a cyclist, so uh, <laughs> this really aggravates me even more. And um, especially when we have uh, amazing. Uh, cycling advocates um, who pose these kind of questions. I don't understand why not. Um, I do know that it has been raised uh, as well at a national level. There, there is to commute. You can commute if you want to go to the shop to buy your 
your groceries, you can go by bicycle. It's a vehicle. It's a, you, you can do it. Right now you can. Um, I wouldn't go to the shop to buy groceries in Lycra after 9 o'clock. Let's do it once we've changed the hours because don't antagonize our police. Let's work through this process. Um, but there's nothing stopping you. So the question is, why can't you then? I've got a flat tire and I need someone to fix it or my spoke is broken. And I, again, I say I don't understand it. Uh, we are really working hard that it actually enables those shops uh, because you can, a motorbike shop can open up because they can provide spares to the essential delivery guys who are delivering food now on level four. Uh, from the restaurants who have now rejigged their business. Um, but if you were delivering on a bicycle, you wouldn't be able to get a repair done. And it doesn't make sense mm-hmm. to me. A message here also come all the way from Atlantis, uh, from uh, Charlene. She's saying, Premier, can you please come out to Atlantis and investigate high sense Atlantis? Uh, these people are not working under proper COVID-19 regulations. There is no social distancing or running water at this factory. This is a ticking time Okay, no problem. I will uh, make a note of that. I'll, I'm not sure if I'll get there, but I'll definitely get someone from our economic development department out there okay. ASAP. Um, so please to continue send your messages via a WhatsApp, of course. The number is 0618621065. And of course, if you'd like to SMS, the SMS, the keyword covered 19 to 32158, followed by your question, name, and the area in which uh, you reside. Under the new normal, how would social distancing impact businesses in the entertainment and leisure space, uh, like cinemas and spas, restaurants, clubs? concert etc how's that so right now i mean that's those businesses are not going to be able to open and this is where they really are applying their mind um so i did see that in other parts of the world and i'm sure there was an email that came through to us um that said how do we get the old drive-ins going again (laughs) well that's a way of getting a movie going where you can actually you know social distance and get to watch your movie um I'm not sure how many old drive-ins are still around that you can get it going, but, I mean, there's an opportunity. Going back Um, to basics. Correct. Or or, or understanding. But then there's another side to that debate. So I'm not sure if anybody's been following the debate with the airlines because all these airlines, which are worth billions and billions, and they're not flying anywhere. They're all sitting on the ground. And to get themselves up and running, they are busy saying, well, what is our business going to look like? So somebody says, well, we'll take – we'll take every second seat out of the aircraft. So now suddenly the aircraft has to go half full. But then the next person says, but if we're doing a long-haul trip half full, the price for the ticket is going to be double. It's not going to be viable. We're not going to be able to make that work. So they have to come up with different ideas of how social distancing in an aircraft is going to work. Um, for example, in a restaurant, you know, now we're saying you can't open your restaurant. What does that restaurant look like? Do, we, do you have half the number of tables? Do you suddenly, are restaurants going to be little booths that have sort of perspex, sort of uh, little yeah. round things around them that you sit inside this mm-hmm. little container or something? That's what the people are going to have to look at. And well, then, even, of course, you know, how do you go to go and watch rugby, you know, or go and watch football? Or, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting environment that we're going to be moving into. So perhaps our stadiums are going to be forced to be half full. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe they won't even be allowed to go to the stadium in the beginning like we're seeing in other parts of the world. I saw that I think it's in Germany now. You can go and play football, but no one's allowed to go to the, yeah. go to the stadium. Germany, very innovative in, uh, you know, spearheading and doing quite a lot in terms of just trying to, 
make it easier for the citizens as well. We've seen it in some spots around the world. A uh, question here coming through again is uh, SMS. Why don't we open everything and go on with our lives? COVID is going to be here. Ten years from now, we know that what we have to do to be safe. Um, okay, because, I mean, we don't know enough about the virus yet. Um, we're learning all the time. We need to build up immunity. Uh, we knew that if we just if we didn't lock down, um, that we would see the death spiking quickly and early. Uh, I'm not saying we're not going to have those deaths, but we're trying to have as few of those deaths as possible. Um, but I'm telling you now, they're going to be in the thousands. They're not going to be in the 70s where we are now. They're going to be in the thousands. And the people that are going to die are people that are elderly, and people that have those comorbidity issues so you know there's a whole range of them and those people we've got to protect because otherwise they will die and if we just carried on as normal well everyone that's got diabetes and hypertension and you know and old you know that's it you don't have a chance to build up the immunity whereas the process that we're running through here and in other parts of the world is we're slowly building our immunity as well as we are building those extra bed spaces. The CTRCC hospital that we've announced um, is going to be the biggest COVID-19 focused hospital in South Africa. 850 beds of only COVID-19 patients. Uh, We're building two more also in the city, but smaller. Um, I can also tell you that as we go through this process that we, we all we're doing is preparing ourselves for it and trying to keep it from growing too fast. And that's why we're doing what we're doing. I also want to say to people, mustn't be so scared. Um, we, must, we must be careful, especially for protecting, but we mustn't be petrified. Um, we, I'll tell you a statistic. 90% of all people who get the virus um, will go through it at home. They might have flu-like symptoms, and some might not even have any symptoms. 90%. The 10% that need health care, they will end up in our hospitals, and uh, 82% of them, 82% will go to our hospital, they'll get their care, and they'll go home. So, I mean, we've got a really good chance of yeah. getting through this thing. Another question that's uh, come to you via SMS, is there a shortage of test kits given that only around 400 test results were reported yesterday? Okay, no, so obviously those are the positives. We do about 4,000 tests a day. Um, our, our limiting factor now is not necessarily the test kits. It is going through the laboratory services. So now thousands of tests are coming into these labs, and the labs are not able to, to deal with it fast enough. And that's what I said right in the beginning. We've actually written to the minister and the president. We need to change the way we do things. We need to find other ways of getting tests finished faster. Um, so so it's, it's not really that It's the bottleneck of the labs mm-hmm. And uh, we're working on how we open that up The other question also from the same uh, person Is is uh, what is the accuracy of, of these tests? I don't know <laughs> <laughs> I, I presume they're pretty accurate um, I mean there will always be a percentage That gives you a false negative Or you know whatever these uh, uh, medical specialists talk about We do We do hear about that um, so there is definitely a percentage that is not that accurate, uh, but there's also a percentage of 
positive cases out here that we're missing altogether because we're even screening them and they, you know, all the answers are the right answers and they don't get tested, but yeah. maybe they are positive. Because remember, there's so many people who get this virus who are asymptomatic. They, they, they don't even know they've got it. And then someone else will get it. And because of their comorbidity, etc., the chances are that if they get it, they're going to die. So it is such a crazy virus, um, and it's unpredictable. Mm. Okay, so if you're on Facebook Live and you'd like to send us some questions, you are most welcome to do so. We also are on WhatsApp. The number to WhatsApp is 061-862-1065, and you'd like to send an SMS as well. Uh, the keyword is covered 19232158. Uh, followed by your question, of course, name and area in which you reside. So please send uh, your messages to us. Uh, in terms of travel, that's something, another question that's come through here via SMS. Why can't we travel from one town to another in one province to buy essential goods? Okay, so obviously travel was limited because travel is how you have contact and is how you spread the virus. Um, and obviously as the levels change, wider travel is going to be okay but it also depends on the circumstances i actually had that question from a mayor in the Karoo uh, in in our cabinet meeting on wednesday where people might live in one of our small towns in the Karoo, but they need to travel um you know to go to another town because that's where their banks are yes. this was the question that the mayor actually asked me um and of course the regulations say you can't travel um but you know we've got to we've got to have we've got to have rules but then there's also circumstances where we must actually be able to go to our local police station and say listen i need to travel to this town because i have to do this at the bank and it's the only place that i can do and you just follow the processes so we can allow ourselves to do it um but you know the regulations are there because we're trying to slow the virus so that we can cope um, you know, I, I'm dreading that day, and it's going to come, yes. where I'm going to be standing there in the parking lot of one of our hospitals, and our beds are all full, and someone's going to arrive there with their mom and say, my mom needs help, and I'm going to say, I'm sorry, all the beds are full. Yeah. Wow, that's going to be hectic. And the only way we stop that is if we make sure that there's still a bed left, and we keep a bed left in that hospital because we didn't spread the virus that day. We, we followed the rules and maybe we didn't travel somewhere or you know, that's, that's, that's why we're all doing what we're doing. Okay. Question here again, what's up? Uh, can you please ask Alam how a supermarket deep clean is done and how safe it is to a fresh produce on the shelves? Okay. So, I mean, and of course, understand we're learning all the time. So what happens in these supermarkets is they have these fogger spray things, um, and they actually walk through every single aisle. They they sort of steam clean, yes. just about, I suppose that's the way to explain it, um, the whole place. It takes a while. And they do it. You'll, you'll. Everyone will have a different, slightly different regime, but you'll see them. They probably do it before they open on a Monday morning. And somebody was in there for two, three hours doing that kind of cleaning, and it's that in conjunction with the at the door with the with the sanitizer and the spacing, etc. And it's not foolproof, but it definitely is a lot better once they do it. Um, and I mean, that's what it is. It's like it's like a, you know, it's like somebody going in there and doing a a fogging exercise where where they uh, fog everything. Yeah. Then, of course, the product that they use, um, and 
all the documents that I've seen, the product that they use is no problem. You can ingest it. It's not gonna it's not gonna hurt you yourself. But I also see that people are saying that when you go and buy your shopping, when you come home, when you get home before you unpack your shopping, you've got two tins of fish and you've got some fresh produce, wash them. Wash your hands, wash them, put them away, wash your hands again, mm-hmm. and then you're actually going to put yourself in a better position. And, and, I mean, I'm seeing this more and more, you know, because you don't know who picked up that tin yeah. of fish 20 minutes before you picked it up when you walked down that aisle. Another question that just came in here is why from Facebook Live, why can't the construction industry open and uh, we also deserve an income? This comes from Cindy Fervey. So, uh, uh, absolutely. Um, I, again, I fully agree. Um, so some of the construction industry is open now. I know that in the Western Cape with our – because they've allowed, first of all, the public works uh, type construction to open up first. Um, so I think the 282 construction companies who were lucky enough to be part of that public works opening, that could be roads or sewerage or, or you know, water infrastructure, electrical infrastructure, etc. Yes. Um, but I also agree because for me the, that missing middle is the subcontractor. You know, there's a bucky, he's an electrician, he's got five guys who work for him, and that guy is not working at all. And all six people have not got an income, and they don't get UIF, etc. And that's why it's one of those 43 or 47 motivations was getting the construction industry back makes so much sense to me. Um, and they can put the rules in place about social distancing, and most work they do is outside anyway, mm-hmm. um, or they are spaced out in doing it. So, so uh, it does make sense. It is also not available as yet, but we are pushing it hard. Another message coming in also from uh, a Facebook Live from Candice Lee Young. The question she asks is, when will lockdown levels be re-evaluated and how frequently is the lockdown uh, levels evaluated or considered? That's the question from Candace Lee. Okay, so I don't know yet because we haven't had a PCC uh, with the president. Uh, normally you have them on Saturday, so this last Saturday we didn't have one. I actually heard, I'm not sure, I heard that the president was going to talk again tonight, but I'm not sure if we've seen anything on it mm-hmm. uh, where he might have given a bit more clarity. So unfortunately I don't know. I mean, I would presume that you at least need a week or two to analyze what the next level is doing. I, I must say uh, to the people of the Western Cape, as much as I want, and all of these calls are saying, when can the construction guys get in back, and when can we all get back to normal, um, I get just as many calls to say, why aren't you taking us back to level five, because we, sh- we, we you know, the, you, you're the highest numbers in the, pro- in the country, and you need to actually slow this thing down, and we need to go back to five. So we've got a lot of people motivating to actually lock it down even more, while a lot of people are saying, no, we must open it up. Um, it is finding about it is finding the balance and actually getting your your information from very you know clever doctors on the one side and economists on the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question that's come. In fact, this is uh, there's quite a few coming through, but I just want to just get to this one quickly. Uh, when can horse racing resume? <laughs> this is on someone out in uh, Stellenbosch. The, un- the industry is on the verge of collapse and thousands of jobs in uh, jeopardy. So uh, betting online and racing behind closed doors. That's the, that's the question. Okay, I don't know the answer to that. Um, but again, I would, what I would do is say to the horse racing industry, package your, your new normal. This is how you're going to make sure that in your industry you're not going to spread 
just like you've just said, you know, online betting or whatever. And Because, of course, you can right now. I, I hope your jockeys are out there exercising your horses because you can do that. But, of course, the competitive space. So I would suggest you put your package together of this is how we're going to mitigate the risk of spread and this is why we should be open and this is how we're going to change our industry. Send it through to us and uh, and we'll take it from there and we'll put it through into the motivation. Uh, we've already got 13 sectors up and running. Um, people came to us and said, this is what we're going to do in the boat industry. This is what we're going to do in the nursery industry. This yeah. is what." And then our guys go in there and we get them operational. Oh, fantastic. The, one of the things that's, that's come up in the, obviously in the past uh, few weeks, and this is not the first uh, that I'm seeing this, is that when uh, uh, obviously you've got parents uh, following the rules, regulations, everything that's happening, and obviously with kids, um, it's a bit different sometimes because they're indoors all the time. And when they do have an opportunity to go outside, uh, this question that comes from Eugene Swartz, he says, my son was asked if he had proof of residence at Musenberg showing he stays within five kilometers. He was one kilometers home from when he was asked, is this necessary when going out? Sure. <laughs> I mean, obviously, it says within five kilometers of your home. So I suppose a law enforcement officer got the right to say, are you within five kilometers of your home? Um, you know, we've also got to use common sense when, we, when we're dealing with this on all sides. Yeah. Um, you know, so some people push the envelope and I think aggravate some of our law enforcement officers. Uh, and I think they've got to have huge patience. Uh, of course, I absolutely condemn uh, when law, the law, whether it's military or police or law enforcement, when they when they overstep the mark. I mean, they have a duty of care to the customers, the citizens. Um, but it also it works both ways. So, yeah, it's one of those difficult things where I mean, you know, how do you prove whether you're within five kilometres of your home? What is the radius of five kilometres from your home? Um, these are these are the these are the small nuts and bolts things around the regulations that sometimes we spend too much time on. Correct. Um, and then of course people get arrested and then they've got to go and explain themselves in court and they get fines and so it becomes difficult. Mm. Any more questions? There's a few people coming through, but uh, I know there's quite a lot of, uh, of folks uh, on Facebook Live. Uh, send your questions. Don't be shy. I know some people are just watching, but ask a question. This is this is an opportunity. Ask your <laughs> questions. We still got a few minutes left. Send in your questions. Um, this is from uh, Nikki Meaton. This is saying, can they change the level for hairdressers and beauticians as it's uh, killing our business? And I think we had this chat the last time mm. as well uh, with the makeup and everything in our last session. You know, that's that's direct contact. You know, one person to another. And uh, obviously, again, you know, I don't write the regulations, but you would presume that when the regulators are sitting there, they said how much risk, and they would say he has 50 kind of businesses, uh, which ones are high risk and which ones are low risk. Okay. And I'm pretty certain that uh, uh, whether it's a hairdresser or even in the medical space, you know, a dentist, or a, this is where it becomes difficult. I, I was... I was talking to, it was my wife and I were talking about a friend of ours whose father is a, some, he's, he's some facial medical specialist. And he says that in his profession, 70 of his professional uh, facial medical professionals in Europe died yeah. from COVID-19. 
So doctors who die from COVID-19 and you think to yourself, if anybody should be able to protect themselves, it's the medical profession. Just so a it's qu- difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Just a question also, and I note that especially in, in other parts of the world, like for example in the US, I see with the train stations now, after so many years, they've shutting down um, the train stations in order to kind of clean it out, steam, just like we were talking about, steam cleaning and all that. In the event that people are now allowed after lockdown and people are allowed to go on trains and come to is there something similar in the, in the plans, the works that uh, they want to be done? So already they are busy with that here. Um, I mean, we, we've got systems in, in our public transport space like taxis where people are actually spraying down the vehicles every couple of hours. Um, there's, there's hand sanitizer in the vehicle. Uh, maybe also this is a good point to say that uh, we also at the same time have overloading of taxis and people putting putting. Uh, themselves in in harm's way when you're sitting in an overloaded taxi. Uh, we've actually set up. I've I've got it here. We've actually set up a a, uh, a cell phone messaging system that you can actually message the vehicle registration number and say this vehicle is overloaded and yeah. not following the. You know, it doesn't have its hand ta- hand sanitizer. There's no masks, etc. And that's star one three four star two three four hash. I'll say again, star 134, star 234 hash, and you can report any public transport space that is not adhering to the rules and putting you at risk as a commuter. Mm-hmm. Um, because we need to make sure it works both ways. That Correct, yeah. But, those, but there are those steam cleaning, and, and there's also a company who very kindly donated one of these like walk-through tunnels, and I think they're going to be deployed at one of the hotspot taxi ranks so that people have got an opportunity to almost walk through this mist um, like we've seen in other countries where you, then you know, I mean, if, if I was uh, contaminated while on the taxi, I've killed everything as I mm. walked through it. Yeah. A message uh, coming through here from Jackie Swanepoel. When will we know about lowering levels in districts that have no active cases for more than a month? Mm. So a lot of our rural areas are like that at the moment. Uh, they've had very, very few cases. Of course, we must understand one thing, that if you've had no cases, that once you've got a few cases, they're going to spread and grow very fast. Um, But there's still no clarity on the differential lockdown. So, you know, could because the Central Karoo has had naught cases so far, should they be in absolutely level one or, or, or no lockdown whatsoever, no level at all, um, versus what kind of protection should they have? Now, we haven't got clarity on that. What we have got is that I, along with the MEC of Health and the Minister of Health, what we can do is motivate to go back to level five for areas, mm-hmm. but not to go lower yet. So uh, we don't have clarity on it. Just another question. Um uh, why can't creches under 30 children in the in the entire creche open? We meet uh, we meet all the safety criteria. Parents need to work but have nowhere to leave the young the young children. This is essential service, and there is no covered cases. And this is comes from someone in the George area. Mm. So I I mean we had that question earlier, yeah. and I absolutely agree with it. Uh, let us try and help you, especially if you're offering a service to essential workers. Please also come through to us uh, uh, on our on our um, on our website. 
uh, make contact with us and let us actually try and see what we can do for your individual case. Mm. Premier Alan, we do want to thank you very much for coming in. It, it's that no. time. <laughs> it's that time. Service um, at Western Cape. That's it. <laughs> and also to thank you again for, for coming in and, and you know, taking time out and, and really uh, indicating and uh, you know assisting everyone out there from different parts of South Africa and obviously those that's listening from um, that's tuning in via Facebook Facebook Live and, that, and that's watching uh, thank you so much for, for you know just giving messages back and responding to their questions and giving them a, and also of course to those that send messages via WhatsApp and uh, those of those called even SMSing us so we thank you and uh, continue can I, can I just give a last message just yeah. so I want to thank everyone First of all, our frontline workers, our nurses, uh, and they're, they're nervous. I mean, the, our nurses are sitting there dealing with this thing, and they get nervous. Yeah. Our ambulance drivers are. Thank you very much for what you're doing on the front line. Uh, citizens, we've got to play our part to make sure that we all uh, are keeping that social distancing, helping our neighbor. Uh, you know, say, excuse me, just remember, keep a bit of space, yep. use your mask. Uh, we need to help each other get through this. But can I really thank everybody who's playing their part? Um, this is not easy. Uh, we're all in it together. And then maybe lastly, those people who are helping with feeding people who don't have anything to eat. Um, I mean, just the, the, the goodwill, the money that's being raised, the food that's being dropped off by the ton, the NGOs. Thank you very much for what you're doing. You are saving people's lives by what you are doing. Thank you, Premier. All the best. You are tuned into your number one community radio station in the Western Cape and number three in South Africa. Live from the heart of the Garden Route, Eden FM, your voice in paradise.